1: Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio.
2: Happy Wednesday. It's August 9th, 2023, the feast of another one of my favorite saints, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Pray for us. Catholic News Agency has an absolutely beautiful, beautiful story all about her and how determined she was to make a difference. And, of course, she really focused on the glorious cross and she knew about suffering a great deal of course but she also never gave up even when she was sent to Auschwitz in 1942 she has written so much about suffering and the cross but what is so interesting and this is what this story brings out so beautifully she talks about not giving up she understands that there are crosses in life she understands that there are things that happen beyond our control and that suffering is a part of life but she talked about the fact that you have to keep going and you have to stand up against evil. Just trying to find, um, here we go, this, this final paragraph in this story is so beautiful. She talks about pushing forward and says, the cross leads to the resurrection, the overcoming of all death and suffering through divine love. By realizing that the cross calls us to action and joy rather than surrender, We may hope to transcend the boundaries imposed by a world built on human limitations. So basically what she's saying is, yes, we are going to have crosses and we have going to have problems, but we need to learn to stand up to them, especially when it comes to evil. So it's a beautiful summary. I really hope you take a look at it. St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, Edith Stein, a convert to Catholicism. She was raised Jewish, became an atheist, and then read the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila, which led her into the church and into the Carmelite order. Pray for us. So we have a cross, a big one in the state of Ohio and other states pushing abortion. Unfortunately, the amendment that went uh, on the ballot yesterday did not pass. And so we are working on getting uh, Beth Vanderkoy, who is the head of Greater Columbus Right to Life, on the program with us for the start of the show to talk about that. Working on that right now as it is breaking news. We're just getting the results in late last night and this morning. And then at 15 minutes past the hour, we are going to be checking in with Christian Hawkins from Students for Life about that as well. We are moving Joan Lewis's interview this morning, our regular Wednesday segment, to 28 minutes past the hour, the bottom of the hour, instead of 9.39 Eastern, as we normally do, because at about 45 minutes past the hour this morning, we're very blessed to have Bishop Duca of Baton Rouge to join us, at a very, very sad story about the loss of a wonderful priest in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and that will come up at 45 minutes past the hour. Now, this priest, Father Beard, was so loved in the state of Louisiana, not just in his own Diocese of Baton Rouge, but was known for speaking the truth in love and actually came to the priesthood very late in life after being a very successful businessman. You can see the headline on Catholic News Agency Baton Rouge Priest Killed in a Car Crash, remembered for his holiness and his passion for the truth. He died last week on August 2nd and as Catholic News Agency reports became a priest much later in life after a very successful career and was known for his devotion to the Blessed Mother. So the bishop will share thoughts and how the community is dealing with this loss and how we can honor this amazing priest who loved the church so very much and also loved his parishioners. Right now though I would like to go to Beth Vanderkoy. she's the Executive Director of Greater Columbus Right to Life, to talk about the vote yesterday. So, Beth, first of all, your thoughts on on what happened with the amendment. Thanks for joining us.
3: Well, good morning. And so for those of you who may not have heard or seen yesterday, we had a special election in Ohio, and Ohioans had the opportunity to determine if it would be a little bit more difficult to amend our Constitution. And unfortunately, the vote did not go our way last night, um, which was very disappointing. But I think the number one lesson that I'm taking away from that is what happened in Ohio last night shows exactly why we need to elevate the standards in order to amend our Constitution. Mm -hmm. Because at the very last minute, a Swiss billionaire uh, who is a known ultra-progressive social engineer came in and dropped millions of dollars on deceptive ads and turned the way of Ohio's election. And quite frankly, Ohioans are going to really regret it because already there are people out gathering uh, petitions and signatures because they want to put extreme anti-business minimum wage efforts into Ohio's constitution uh, because there is an effort to do something called ranked choice voting. Uh, which is an extreme proposal uh, pr- put forward by people like Eric Holder. Um, there is an effort to add qualified immunity, uh, or I'm sorry, to add the repeal of qualified immunity into our Constitution, which is placing a target on the back of police and law enforcement in Ohio. And then, of course, um, we have this extreme anti-parent and anti-life abortion amendment that's coming at us in November.
2: So, Beth, are you concerned that given this last-minute drop of funds that the same thing could happen in November because the money is just incredibly uh, high on the other side in terms of the donations coming in?
3: The uh, Well, I have to say I don't even have to be worried that the money is going to come in at the last minute. Uh, we got a glimpse of their first campaign finance report for the August abortion amendment last week, and it is jarring so two abortion providers here in Ohio, um, including the father of the late term abortion procedure, Martin Haskell, dropped a hundred thousand dollars or more into their campaign uh, already. We have 250,000 dollars coming from the governor of uh, the governor of Illinois, um, tons of outside money. I, I think they had nearly 10 million dollars. The majority of it coming from out of state, uh, out of state, um, that they are willing to spend in Ohio before really the November election season even begins. Um, and why? To enshrine third trimester abortion. uh elimination of health and safety provisions and the elimination of parental rights into Ohio's constitution. So this needs to be a wake-up call to every single Ohioan, every single pro-life person that they absolutely need to join us. They need to get involved. um, And and quite frankly, they need to open up their, their pocketbooks because Uh, We are not going to be able to defeat their millions of dollars unless every day Americans, pro-life faithful, get out and contemplate what they can do to help us financially defeat this.
2: We're talking with Beth Vanderkoy, executive director of Greater Columbus Right to Life, regarding the issue that went down to defeat, unfortunately, yesterday. So, in terms of of what happened, do you think the last minute push is what turned things? How close were you prior to those that money being dropped in those new rounds of commercials, Beth?
3: Well, it's always difficult to say because polling over the last few years has not been um, it has not been especially um, uh, accurate nationally. But I will say all of our internal polling and our internal tracking, um, was telling us that in about the week leading up to the election, we were, we were neck and neck. Um, and the fact that we knew we, we were neck and neck, um, you know, that was confirmed by the fact that they went in and added just millions of dollars in additional spending in like the last four days. So it 100% makes a difference. But the other thing that makes a difference is that they had an entire army of volunteers out that were going door to door. They're used to doing this. They do this in a different election every year. Um, And quite frankly, it's something that our pro-life volunteers need to get as good at doing. Um, and so I've already taken a dozen phone calls, I think, this morning, um, you know, from people wanting to know what they can do. And I will tell you, um, I'm going to take a couple of days off, um, and then Greater Columbus Right to Life is going to be energized, and we are going to start getting people out in the field, going door to door by Labor Day.
2: Yeah, so at, at this point, are you getting any support? I know it's it's early because it just happened yesterday, but have you heard from other states, other pro-life organizations that are willing to step in and help?
3: Uh, we we are have been very fortunate all along that we have a tremendous coalition of the pro-life and pro-family state uh, organizations here within the state, national partners. You know, we've heard support, particularly, I think, from Michigan, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Michigan uh, and Michigan Pro Life just went through something very, very similar, um, and so certainly we're having those conversations, um, and and we're hearing from people from outside of the state that are carrying us in their prayers and that are talking to friends and family in Ohio. Um, but it is definitely going to be a full a, a full court press um, for, for Ohioans, but also you know, with any wisdom and any support that we can get from people outside of the state.
2: My concern, and I'm coming at this from a media perspective, and I did uh, several training sessions with, with Ohio Women, media training sessions regarding this this whole thing and this whole, you know, Protect Women Ohio, which is an amazing, amazing effort that you've got going. But my concern from a media perspective is that people need to be told something at least seven times, there's an old saying, in order to understand what's said and to hear it. Giving them two issues or two times to vote and putting out two sets of information, to me that would be, and this is just my personal opinion from a media perspective, it's overwhelming for people to try to sit down and figure out the information what does it really mean, especially when you have people that come in with huge amounts of money that simplify it incorrectly and put out misinformation and then use the fear factor. So I think we need to do a better job of expressing the concerns and the real issues and make it more clear for people because people were confused with Prop 3. That was a big problem. That was a huge problem despite all the education we did. I think if we had more time, we would have done a lot better, but it was thrust upon us very, very quickly. But we have to clarify and simplify the message. People are busy. They don't read everything. And what gets their attention, this is what the left does so well, and you know this, you just spoke about this, is they do those very sensational ads and they're very glitzy and they put a ton of money behind them.
3: Well, that is 100% true. And and look, sometimes you take the fight as it's brought to you and you do the best that you can. But the good news is that from this point on, we are going to be laser focused on letting people know that the vote to protect the unborn, the, the vote to protect parental rights, and the vote to protect women is a no in November and i i really think that as we get out and as we talk to more and more people um that they understand this yeah. there was absolutely confusion last night yeah. there was absolutely confusion last night um but it it just it just is a reminder to us that we can always do better but but also Teresa, keep in mind we know that we are playing with a stacked deck here. We mm-hmm. know that, yeah. Um, yeah, and we have to acknowledge it. And we have two options: we can kind of sit back and talk about how it's unfair or we can get out there and we can we can quite frankly. Oh absolutely
2: I totally agree I'm just saying from an informational Mm -hmm. perspective that the manipulation and the fear factor unfortunately oftentimes wins in the end and we found that with even Catholics who had no idea for what they were voting and and what they were signing and they did it anyway which was just appalling to me but the message is so important getting it out there in a succinct simple way for people to understand this is because of the, 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 the information that they're given 24 7 what gets their attention is the glitz, unfortunately, and the fear factor. I'm not saying we go that route, but I'm saying that we have to be very clear in our messaging. But anyway, you guys work so hard. We're here for you. You're welcome on the show anytime. We're going to continue the discussion up next with Christian Hawkins. And and of course, uh, always feel free to come on and give us updates. Beth, we so appreciate your great work and the work of protectwomenohio.org. Give us a website for Columbus Right to Life.
3: Uh, Gcrtl dot like greatercolumbusrighttolife.org. and thank you all so much you're welcome Uh, you're a wonderful partner
2: well you are welcome here anytime on this program because we are your pro-life radio network and tv network as well beth god bless you continuing the pro-life conversation with Kristen hawkins and her thoughts on the election yesterday and what all of us can do in and outside the state of ohio to make a difference and defeat this issue in terms of enshrining abortion in the constitution i'm telling you people it happened in michigan last year they're marketing this around all the states and we have got to stand up as beth just said we will be right back on a wednesday morning edition of catholic connection 14 minutes past the hour
4: the most original and exclusive catholic content is on ewtn radio you know we
0: talk story with each of our very unique guests for the whole hour so that you can go deep with us as you yourself pursue your own story of heroic virtue and as you pursue intimacy with God. The
3: Bear Wozniak Adventure, Saturday night, 6 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
0: Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values, Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria Mutual Funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. You and your spouse are invited to cruise with Royal Caribbean this January along with Father Michael Schmitz, Archbishop Nauman, Al, Teresa, Dr. Ray, and many others. Get away with your spouse on a fun, relaxing, and rejuvenating cruise with inspiring speakers, daily mass, and endless memorable experiences. Father Michael Schmitz comments, you'll encounter an amazing community of couples and speakers, and most importantly, you'll encounter Christ. More details at AveMariaRadio.net. Just click the Travel link.
4: People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
2: Ohio's Issue 1 fails by a wide margin, continuing our conversation. Where do we go? What do we do next? We just heard from boots on the ground perspective from Beth Vanderkoy from Columbus Right to Life. Now we go for a national perspective of someone who is on uh, is involved and really has her finger on the pulse of the life pro-life movement, Kristen Hawkins from Students for Life. So Kristen, you, you and I were not surprised, unfortunately, by the vote yesterday. Your thoughts this morning. Thanks for joining us. Sure.
5: Thanks for having me again, Teresa. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, I mean, I think yesterday was disappointing but not unsurprising um we we knew this you know vote to protect the state constitution wasn't our end game um it was certainly you know could have been an important step in protecting um the pre-born and mothers from the predatory abortion industry but i mean with being outspent almost five to one um that we know of um and that certainly did not help the matters to create the confusion about what uh, what was really at stake? And so now it's onwards. Abortion is on the ballot in November and we all have to do everything we can um, to educate Ohioans about what's really at stake, um, because I don't want to look back and you know, a day after the election and see uh, buyer's remorse in, in Ohio.
2: Like we have buyer's remorse in Michigan, and we still have yep. buyer's remorse in Michigan. So, what can we do differently? What can we do uh, more positively to make sure that that we defeat this in November?
5: You know, everyone's got a different opinion about what more we've got to do. I think, you know, baseline, we've got to be out there having conversations. We've got to be at the doors. We've got to be online. We've got to be on the airwaves. We have to be in our parishes, in our churches talking about what the aclu uh, and the abortion lobby have brought to ohio and the radical changes uh you know, abortion in all nine months that they're hoping to impose upon the people a- in ohio i think we need to be having those conversations we need to have more conversations uh, we know we're going to be outspent um it's been a challenge supporters for example are in- interested in giving to a lot of these campaigns if you're you know if you're someone who supports ohio right to life and the protect women ohio coalition or students for life um, i think you need to be very very in tune to this battle because what happens in ohio how this plays out in ohio will determine how active how vigorously the abortion lobby attacks other states next year with their state referendums. they are using ohio as their playbook for this all um, and, and it's been surprising to me just you know, just, I guess, the lack of willingness of folks to dig in and, you know, put their hands in their pocketbooks to help out, um, to help, you know, defeat this. this, You know, some folks, I feel like, have this, you know, attitude of defeat that it's going to be a loser anyway, so why bother? Um, That is the quickest way to ensure that all of our work in a post-Rural America uh, will be erased. I think we also need to be talking about you know all of the issues that are at stake, that this is beyond you know simply killing babies now. We're also talking about harming and sterilizing our young people, as this would uh, allow doctors uh, and those who profit off of gender confused young people. Uh, to prescribe medications, to do surgeries that could sterilize our young people without parents even having any say or even knowing what is going on. Uh, That's something that we need to be talking about and standing up for all of our children in Ohio, not only the preborn child, but uh, all of our children.
2: In terms of the messaging, are you and others who are on the front lines in the pro-life movement going to be working with this particular state of Ohio and all the other states? Because there's other states that are looking at this as well. This is going to be, again, as you said, marketed around elsewhere because the messaging has to be consistent. And you know this better than anybody.
5: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the messaging in Ohio is much more consistent than what we saw in Michigan. Uh, in Kansas, all of the you know the pro-life groups. Our team is certainly a part of the coalition there. In Ohio, our you know our coordinator Jamie is on all of those uh, meetings, as well as many of our top students for life leaders. Um, so there is consistent messaging. I think uh, the the challenge is there's a lot of different consistent messages that we can we can put out. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, this is about protecting our kids uh, from the predatory abortion industry. Uh, from, you know, uh, doctors and clinics seeking to, to uh, gain profit off of gender-confused children.
2: So we had Michigan, now we have Ohio. This is moving toward November. Where else is this popping up around the country, do you think, Chris? Yeah, we saw,
5: I think it was yesterday, they've, they've officially announced they're, they're going to take a ballot referendum to Arizona. They've announced they'll be in Florida, uh, the Dakotas, Missouri. Uh, there's going to be a number of states. I even heard of the last week potentially Arkansas. Uh, The abortion lobby, you have to think about it this way. The abortion lobby understands, I actually think probably more accurately than some in our own movement, that this is not simply, you know, a state-by-state issue. They understand it's a state issue, and it's also a federal issue. And they understand that you can't have half a state in America where you're free to be born and half a state in America where you're free to kill. That sooner or later, uh, cultural cultural changes will take place, and one of the two – one of the two ideologies that are going to win out. Um, And so that's why they're focusing on states, even, you know, what would be considered low abortion states for their, you know, their bottom line, their pocketbooks. They're focusing on pushing ballot referendums anywhere they can, anywhere where the state constitution allows them to come in with outside money, overwhelm the airwaves uh, with confusing, you know, commercials and messaging that they can they can ram for, ram through abortion in the Constitution because I know they can't win this at the ballot box when it comes to electing state reps and senators who have to meet their constituents at church on Sunday or at the grocery store at their business who can be held accountable. This is their way to skirt that, um, and so that's why we're seeing what's what's happening, and that's why Ohio is so important. And are really the messaging in Ohio has been. Everyone in the pro should be engaged in what's happening in Ohio because what happens in Ohio is going to dictate. It's going to dictate their momentum. It's going to dictate their strategy. Uh, it's going to dictate their donor support for coming to your state to do this in your state.
2: Kristen Hawkins, president of Student for Life, one last question. I have about two minutes left. What do you think happened? Because before those last-minute commercials, I was just speaking to the head of uh, Columbus Right to Life at the top of the hour, the, it was pretty close. They, they were being very successful in their messaging, and, and it was a very, very mm-hmm. tight race. So what do you think happened to just turn people so quickly, given the fact that they were so close prior to those last you know few pitches on the air? Well,
5: I mean, I, I don't know if they ever were close, to be honest with you. I, I'd have to see the messaging on that because the messaging – and pulling ourselves was not saying that it was close. And everywhere that this has been attempted to pass a law to make it more difficult for folks to change the constitution, it has failed. Um, this was a last ditch effort. I think it was a good effort, but it was also a long shot effort. I think people uh, need to understand that it was also a confusing effort because you had, you know, I have friends and family in Ohio, and what is this really about? What? Why are we? Why are we making it more difficult to change the constitution, in our state? What's really going on. Um, And so I think we have to be clear with folks about what's really going on.
2: So what's next for you in terms of working on this issue in Ohio and the other states, Mm -hmm. Kristen? What's Students for Life doing?
5: Yeah, Students for Life Action has a $5 million plan uh, that we're in the final stages uh, of of, of, of getting ready to implement uh, this this fall, getting ready for 2024, it's all coming down to 24. And I know we always say, Teresa, like this is the most important election of our lifetime. This is the most important election of our lifetime. Yeah. The Democrats in, in Washington, D.C. have been very clear. If they get majority control of, of Congress, they will pass the Women's Health uh, Empowerment Act, which will, quote, unquote, codify Rome and actually go further than Rome. Uh, demand that abortion is legal in all nine months across America for any reason, and taxpayer funded. President Joe Biden has already said he's going to sign it. So we've got to we got to start there, uh, and we got to focus on Washington D.C. and then these state races, um, because we know this this battle is, is far from being won. and we're really only just beginning.
2: Yeah. Always, always great to speak with you, Kristen. Uh, very encouraging, and you're very honest about the challenges ahead, and you work at them every single day. Kristen Hawkins, President, Students for Life, and she'll be with us again very soon with an update on what's happening, not only in Ohio and nationwide. We'll be right back. The following
3: is a medical moment.
6: Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. An advanced care planning document, or ACP, is one kind of advanced directive, providing a written statement of a person's desired medical treatments in the future. A recent study titled, What's Wrong with Advanced Care Planning? concluded that there is a gap between hypothetical scenarios and real world decision making. Another study found that 80% of emergency room physicians misinterpreted an ACP as a do not resuscitate order. Another issue is that any disagreement between medical professionals and the patient's healthcare agent regarding specific ACP language, may undermine the patient's ultimate wishes. Your best bet is never to sign an advanced care planning document, such as a PULSE form when admitted to a hospital, and make sure your healthcare durable power of attorney has a provision which invalidates any previously signed ACP.
3: This Medical Moment, brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com.
1: Father Benedict Groeschel,
4: I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the pope or to the president of some country or something. You might get a lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have, and we should have them to an intense degree, if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize his presence. And in proportion, as we believe that he is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic.
2: Welcome back Catholic Connection, it's a Wednesday, so we go to Rome a little bit earlier today to speak with our very own Joan Lewis. So much to discuss, of course, a beautiful message from the Holy Father on World Youth Day today, and also, Joni, a very interesting story that is getting a lot of attention here in the United States, and uh, I was very, very uh, happily surprised that there are several different uh, outlets that are actually reporting on what the Holy Father said on the plane accurately. Well, I think we're having a little right. bit of problem with your connection. Are you there? We're hearing a lot of static. Okay, yes, can, to, can you hear there me? You go. Yes, here. I can. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah.
7: No, you're absolutely right. He gave a fascinating interview, as he always does on the flight home uh, from an apostolic visit, uh, during which one of the many questions asked of him, of course, was what he said about uh, the church being open to everyone, the church has no doors, everyone is welcome, the old, the young, the sick, the sinners, et cetera, et cetera. And somebody asked him about the fact that the LGBT people mentioned in this, you know, how how can that be, Holy Father? And um, the implication was that he uh, was and has at other times uh, more or less I don't want to say promoted, I can't think of a word right now, but, you know, the L, LBGT, menu, menu, if you will. And uh, But the thing is, people reported what he said about everybody being welcome, but they didn't put, some of them didn't. You mentioned the right ones who did. They didn't put it into the context of what he said, which was, the Church is indeed open to everyone, but there are rules in the Church. Because one of the po- reporters, when he said, todos, todos, everyone, you know, is welcome, a reporter said, well, isn't this assertion of yours, everyone's welcome, incoherent with the fact that some people, such as women and gay people, do not have the same rights and cannot receive some sacraments?" Well, Teresa, you and, you and I know, as I just read, the Church is open to everyone, but there's rules. right. You right. can't kill, you can't steal, you can't... Commit adultery. You can't. There are certain moral rules we must, must follow, all of us, in mm-hmm. order to receive sacraments. Right. So I think some people forget that in the church, if we are talking about gay, gay people, they, they have to be received and welcomed and, and loved and, and so forth. But if you're talking about how they live out their sexuality, that is a whole different matter as it might be how you and i or anybody we know live out the moral life regarding regarding theft or any one of the other commandments of course that that we have to follow so those people who who said who stressed only one aspect of this coin had to have should have put everything in the context of Yes, the Church is open to everyone, certainly to gay people, but there are rules in the Church. It's just that simple. And, and the Holy Father said that. He said, the Church is open to everyone, but there are laws that regulate life inside the Church. Right, According right. to these laws, certain people cannot partake in some sacraments. This does not mean it, the Church is closed. Every person encounters God in their own way. And what he's saying is here... There are laws, and we know Anytime a law is broken, it can be going through a red light or going through what in the church we'd call a red light. Um, there has to be atonement. There has to be recognition of one. There has to be penance. There has to be sorrow for having committed an infraction against the teaching of the church. So uh, certainly kudos to those people who presented both sides of, of what the Holy Father said. That he did say, yes, this is true. But remember, folks, the church has teachings and laws. Right.
2: Well, I think so. this is an important lesson for us because oftentimes we may be frustrated or, you know, scratch our head at some of the decisions that the hierarchy makes and people that are appointed and we get frustrated and we get a particular idea about a particular leader and we see a story and we say, oh, see, this affirms that I was right. And yet we don't look further and see, OK, what did the pope or yes. this archbishop or cardinal actually say? Can we look at this in context? What is the actual statement? So I think it's another reminder for us that we just can't jump and assume that something was said when these things are circulated, and and this is getting a lot of attention, to do our homework and to go to your site, to go to, of course, all of our, our resources within uh, Catholic News Agency, you know, Drones Rome, all the different outlets that we have to see what he actually said. Now, Reuters, I think, did a particularly good job on this. I sent you the story. They actually right. even included the church teaching. The church doesn't allow same sex marriage or even blessings for same sex couples. It teaches that same sex attraction is not sinful, but same sex acts are. Now, I wish they would have gone further and discussed the fact that the rules are the same for people with same-sex attraction as they are for people who are attracted to the opposite sex because sex outside of marriage is what the church right. is saying. So if they don't, those who are heterosexual, if they are not in a marriage ordained by God, male and female, sex has a proper place and this is what the church teaches. This is one of those rules. I would have gone a little further but I was at least pleased to see that they gave us the entire right. statement and also some explanation of church teaching.
7: And, you know, you know, I hate to say it, I mean, I hate and love to say it, because Facebook can do uh, wonderful things and teach, and also can do just the opposite, by having people see something on Facebook, or they, you know, might, might read something I post and then uh, want to make a comment on it, but... So many times people make a comment that you know it is written out very cleverly and using all the right words, but what you know in the long run is, no, that's not what the Church teaches, that's this particular person's opinion. And I would just say to everybody listening to us today, if it is on the social media... Um, or a a major news organization, if you read something that sounds confusing to you, or, gee, that's not what I've heard in my parish all these years, etc., there are, as you just mentioned, all great resources on the Internet. Mm -hmm. So go to Google, Google your question if you have to, and then you're going to find Canon Law, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. There are so many official sources that will totally, thoroughly, truthfully answer your question. So people should not have to go to bed confused about something that the Church is teaching because um, of the words of the Pope on a plane being uh, cited without context or something else. So it's out there. You and I use the same sources, obviously. When we have a question about something, or did I read it correctly, or what does the Church teach about Uh, exorcism or excommunication the source is out there folks and they're usually written that you don't have to have a phd to understand it so i definitely kudos to those who explained this matter very well and as i said to the rest of to all those listening there are good sources out there so use them and of course Teresa and i are are two of
2: the best. Well, thank you very much, my dear. We have a little mutual admiration society going on. So, yeah. So the message today was was beautiful. We're going going to go into the break, so we'll probably pick it up after. But I thought the message today was beautiful about what he said regarding World Youth Day and, and the thoughts and what happened. And also, again, reiterating his dedication. To the blessed mother and helping students focus on that as well so we will uh, take a break in about 30 seconds uh, to talk about that joan lewis is joining us from rome and joan by the way is going to be uh off next week because she has something very beautiful planned a riverboat cruise so exciting but in the meantime when she comes back before we bring on bishop duca from new orleans or actually from Baton rouge We'll wrap up with some discussion on World Youth Day and the Holy Father's audience today. You are listening to Catholic Connection, a co-production of EWTN and the Ave Maria Radio Networks.
1: 60 on 10 with Monsignor Charles Pope.
8: The Second Commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The disclosure of a name in the ancient world belonged to the order of trust and intimacy. And so when God revealed his name to Moses, it was an extraordinary outreach to us, saying uh, that we were called to an intimate, trusting relationship with him. And so we should always reverence this name as a great gift. We should obviously never use God's name to curse or to blaspheme or to berate others. God's name is meant to bring blessing. And likewise, the vain use. Vain means empty. Uh, So some of these expressions like, oh my God, or you know, and so on, uh, need to be avoided as well. Vain means empty, and those are using God's name as an empty kind of expression of exasperation. And then finally, never ever to use God's name to swear an oath falsely. God is the God of truth. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain.
1: For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com.
8: The idea that the United States of America should now be a nation in high-handed rebellion against God makes me choke. I mean, there are some people who seem to think that the problem in America is simply between conservatives and liberals, between Democrats and Republicans. But these group distinctions are not the most important distinction. The real division is between those who are being drawn to Christ and those who are fleeing him. All humans are created in the image of God AND WE ARE MADE FOR A LOVING RELATIONSHIP WITH OUR CREATOR. ANY HUMAN BEING WILL NEVER FIND THEIR FULL FULFILLMENT APART FROM GOD. AND THOSE OF US WHO ARE UNITED TO CHRIST BY FAITH AND BAPTISM, IN HIS MISSION OF REDEMPTION, OWE EVERYONE WE MEET THE LOVE AND CONSIDERATION THAT HELPS DRAW THEM CLOSER TO THEIR ETERNAL LOVER.
9: CRESTA IN THE AFTERNOON, WEEKDAYS AT 4 EASTERN ON EWTN RADIO.
2: Wrapping up with Joan Lewis on her weekly reports, Joan's Rome at WordPress.com, and beautiful audience message with the Holy Father, uh, really reflecting on what World Youth Day meant to him. Your thoughts on his comments? Absolutely. Today? The,
7: in the presence of the Holy Spirit, it was a meeting with Christ all the way mm. through. And again, he's, you know, how to, to summarize in like 200 words the amazing five days of the Holy Father, is meetings with uh, multiple meetings, not just with the young people, but the sheer numbers of the whole thing. And I know that was one of the uh, the things that really struck the, whole, uh, the Holy Father were the, were the sheer numbers. You know, the very first meeting with the Pope, 350,000. And then four days later, the final mass, um, you know, vigil and mass, one and a half million. So um, I have a feeling they're going to be replacing a lot of grass in that big park, but <laughs> yeah. you know, give, give job to someone. But no, he had Um, You could tell how moved he was when he was there. You could just see the emotions on his face every day. It was surprise, happiness, or in the case of bad news, um, you know, the continuing war in the Ukraine and and so forth. And then, obviously, the amazing experience uh, at Fatima. And he wanted to go there originally just privately, just with a few of his staff members and the gendarmes. But he was convinced to make it a more or less official visit, and there were 200,000 there. And we're all following the story of the young gal um, right. who is, you know, reputed. She has said she regained her she vision. her sight,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
7: At her sight, yes, exactly. And, and that happened at Fatima the morning that the Pope was praying the rosary with people. So... Um, no, it was an amazing thing, and uh, if you missed a minute of it, it meant you were in bed for five days because EWTN right. was literally everywhere. It was on all social media. All of the papal trips that were televised by the Vatican were were aired. You know, so
2: I thought Teresa, it was beautiful. Can I leave yeah.
7: you? Sure, go ahead. Leave everyone. you want a little bit of trivia for the day? Sure. The Leaning Tower of Pisa's foundations were laid. 850 years ago today
2: <laughs> wow Wow! I know in, in 1173
7: so I mean you know think about just as I say it's trivia but it's not trivial and um, any one of our listeners who have into Pisa now knows one more thing about it: the foundations were laid 850 years ago today.
2: <laughs> well, that's a very wow. interesting area to visit because most people just go to take the the famous picture of holding up the tower. You know, when you stand in front of it, but there are sure. some of the best museums there in the town of Pisa. In addition to the the tower itself, which sometimes oh, they let you go up and town. sometimes they don't. But but the whole town is just filled with uh, so much history and great religious art. the museums all right my dear so we're going to uh to let you go because i know you have to get ready for your vacation so you won't be with us next week but uh, how long is your cruise
7: um it's a week long but i'll tell you if there's any way that on wednesday afternoon we can touch uh, bases i'll make sure it happens all
2: right well that would be great and you can describe what you're seeing and i know you're starting uh in hungary which is a very very christian country so that will be interesting as well yeah. so all right my dear go pack i know you're leaving on okay. saturday so you got a few days and thanks her for finding the time to join us joan lewis of course jones at rome at wordpress.com check out all of her great resources when we come back we are going to be going down to the diocese of baton rouge catholic news agency has a beautiful story also on the home page about a wonderful priest who lost his life all too soon an amazing conversion story or reversion story, and how do we honor this great man of God who lived to speak the truth in love. We'll be right back.
9: If you're an optimistic Catholic, will you live longer? I'm Chuck Adica, and this is Journey Strong. My wife Susan and I recently lost a dear friend who almost made it to age 99. Varied studies suggest that we may have a better chance of living to near 100 if we are both emotionally aware and hold a positive attitude about life. Being optimistic is a Catholic thing, or it should be. We hold views that include man and God prevailing over darkness and evil, and all human life being highly valued and unique. All positive. But we need more than worldly optimism. We need true theological hope. The Catechism states, Hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Now that's hope. For more on this, look to the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. People ask how they can
4: care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
2: I want to thank His Excellency Bishop Michael Duca for joining us this morning, and also for my dear friend Deacon Dan Bourne, who is actually Bourne is the way you pronounce it, sorry Dano, but he is the head of communications for the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and uh, we're friends through the diaconate community as well, and I'm on his uh, news list his email list for news releases from the diocese and was so moved when i received this release about father michael beard or mark beard excuse me who died at 62 years young just last week in a car accident pastor of st helena catholic church in louisiana i meet louisiana that's about an hour northeast of baton rouge and just a, a great loss an incredibly interesting conversion story to the priesthood and we wanted to bring bishop michael duca on because uh, there are several services and masses being held Uh, the next two days regarding this life of this amazing priest. Your Excellency, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it.
10: Good to be with you this morning.
2: So let's talk, first of all, how are you doing after this? Because just to lose a brother priest is hard enough.
10: It is always hard. I tell you, it's one of the things that uh, a bishop does not want to do. Uh, You know, if you put together, you get to put to rest many retired priests after many years of service, faithful service. Uh, But Father Mark was one of those you don't expect. And, uh, because he was so vibrant, so active, such a strong preacher of the Word of God, a great pastor, the kind of guy that was at the hospital, the kind of guy that was with the people when they needed him. Um, that's kind of, you want all your preachers, all your preachers like that, but he's just stood out, uh, because of his, uh, tremendous zeal. And, uh, yeah, you, you plan your future on a guy like that. So, I mean, it's one of those things where it's a very difficult, uh, very difficult loss. But, um,
2: Tell us his story, yeah, the journey, because it's, it's really powerful because he was a successful businessman, right?
10: He was a successful businessman. He even says he, he was living the life, you know. He was living the life of a successful businessman and an eligible single man as well. And uh, eventually, of course, like I'll think, it played out. And uh, he took a trip to Medjugorje, which he didn't really want to do. And while he was there, had a conversion experience, changed his life, turned it around. And uh, just as much as he entered in and, and grabbed for all the gusto of life as a single man, all that energy got focused by the Lord's grace, and he poured it all into being a priest. Mm. And he uh, was in a little parish. That little parish was kind of too small for him. I mean, he built up a whole kind of, of ministry it sprung from the parish ministry. It reached out beyond the parish boundaries. Uh, we're getting all kinds of stories of people, extended people. That part of our diocese is a little bit more, less Catholic. So he's had influence on the, the further uh, larger Christian community, the Protestant community and others there, uh, the civil leaders. He was connected with the priest, police department. Um, he's working on a retreat. He was working with a retreat house in Chattawa, Mississippi, uh, that some layman bought, and they're trying to revive. Um, he just had energy beyond. He was a he, all that business sense, all that building sense. He was building the kingdom of God now, and it just poured it into a, a heart and soul. Almost like he didn't know if he had. You know, it's almost like he didn't know how much time he had. Mm. You know, it, it, or he made every day, I think, full of the ministry of the Lord in his life. And that was all the stories. What I find in a priest's death is that these little stories come to you now, the quiet stories. The people that come to the, the funeral mass that you don't have no idea they were connected to Father Mark, but they were through the confessional or through counseling or through his sermon. They, their lives were changed, and that the full benefit of a good priest's life just pours out in a way that's just beautiful.
2: Oh, absolutely. But it makes it even
10: more sad to have lost him.
2: Amen to that. We're talking with His Excellency Bishop Michael Duca from the Diocese of Baton Rouge in Louisiana about the untimely and tragic death of a beautiful priest, Father Beard, and he called himself a serial dater before entering the seminary. He never married, <laughs> yeah. right? And he said that Mary reminded him that you can't have two women in your life.
10: That's, that's right. As I, as I say, everything kind of got turned on him. Uh, and, but he, but, but he didn't just, he just took all the good of the things he was doing, that energy, and just poured it into you know, one marriage, one, one relationship, you know, with Mary now and the church. And uh, of course, with Jesus at the center, and so, uh, yeah, that's 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 Mark. And uh, any business skills, any other skills he had, personal the personality habit had allowed him to be so attractive in, in the in the secular world, he just poured in in a very holy way into his priesthood. And uh, uh, yeah, there's no doubt that uh, he will be missed in that parish, uh, in the larger diocese. A lot of people connected to him over social media. Um, because they just to the parish um, they had they posted the sermons on the website and things like that so he got a little bit of a fall people go to master just to try to catch and visit with him for a visit uh, from time to time at the parish so yeah there's no doubt that's a that was a uh, a great loss to our diocese.
2: Hmm. so in addition to having his degree his master's in divinity degree he also received a certification in spiritual direction
10: that's right. That's right. Yeah. He was, uh, um, I think a lot of his work, even as much as his public ministry was very powerful and very, very obvious, I think, like in all, like I can tell you for like in all priest life, I think his uh, spiritual direction was uh, equal, if not greater, than the visible life that we saw. I think a large part of a priest's life is played out in that quiet place of the confessional, counseling greeting people, on the, just meeting people on the street and those short encounters. Any short encounter with Mark would have been a, a moment of evangelization. Even if it was veiled in a very simple greeting, uh, they would have felt his presence, I think.
6: Wow. And
10: so uh, I think that's the—you're uh, right. I, mean, I think he just—once he made the change, he was, he was all in, you might say.
2: Yeah. So, you know, all that training, all that hard work, all that excellence in the business world and his success was literally transferred. God took all those talents like he does with many people and and uses those talents in in a much bigger way within the church. He even started a Catholic retreat center. It's amazing what he did, uh, even late in life when he converted to the priesthood. Now, in terms of the accident, do we know any details? Because all we've heard is it was a tragic car accident. Yeah, it was a very, yeah, it was, he
10: was, he was, at Chatterwell Retreat House is about a, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from, uh, uh a meet in, in Louisiana. She so was up at the retreat house. I think some girls were on retreat, high school girls. They wanted, they wanted to meet Father So He made a special trip up there and was coming back. I think he had an appointment with an eye doctor or something. He was trying to get back in time for that. And so he, he was kind of rushing back to the Paris and they, as he came over a rise, it was Interstate 55. There was an accident on the other side that caused people on his side to rubberneck. Traffic had slowed down.
6: Mm. So he
10: just, he rose over the hill. He was met with a a, solid, a a stopped car. And so evidently what he did, he, as anyone would do, he veered off onto the shoulder of the road. But there wasn't much shoulder. I think it, there may have been a culvert there. And so what he immediately went down in the culvert, Ugh. I guess, it stopped abruptly and the car flipped over so it was a one-car accident of him just, just out of nowhere. Just had to make that last-minute decision, mm. and um, and it's just you know it's just I don't know what to think about that. It's just uh, God wanted him. There's no doubt about that. And so um, why that we'll have to find that out. You know when yeah. we meet God face to face.
2: There's so much about him and his personality that is so crucial, especially in today's world. And you keep on mentioning his his ability to relate to so many people. I'm hearing that more and more in terms of how we meet people. We smile. We're enthusiastic. That first impression, that really is the beginning of a relationship that can hopefully bring someone closer to Christ or even back into the church. And he seemed to be just so, I mean, exceptionally, just did exceptional work in that area.
10: Yeah, well, you know, he knew, he knew the life on both sides. So he, he could meet someone that was living a really secular life and he knew, he knew what was going on. And then, so he knew what to say to them. That might be words of challenge and might wake them up. Um, and so that's that kind of, kind of, I guess Augustine had that same kind of wisdom, you know, Augustine right. in the yeah, life. It's very Augustine-like in his, uh, story. And, uh, and so you bring with you all that, that secular wisdom. And once God blesses it, it finds its proper place. Uh, and because uh, and all that energy he was expending in the secular world, suddenly, I'm sure, just seems so much more right. It just must, must have just all come together with it, which even inspired him more uh, to continue the good work. And, yeah. of course, a guy like that, there's always more to do. There's always more to do. Right. And uh, he was that kind of person. I think it was also a burden to him because last time I saw him, he was tired. You know, he was trying to do so much. And uh, But uh, he, he wouldn't stop. If someone came to talk to him, he was there ready to talk to them.
2: Aw. Your Excellency, how will he, uh, how can we, uh, last question, we have about a minute left, how can we honor this amazing priest by our own actions as Catholics, do you think?
10: I think to double down our commitment to what it means to be a Catholic, what it means to be a disciple of Christ, and, uh, and to, to make sure that's our priority in life, and let that fundamental commitment flavor and inspire all the gifts and talents we have uh, so that what we do builds up the kingdom of God. And uh, it's always reaching out to bring Christ to others Um, and do that every day of our lives, you know, not by preaching, but maybe sometimes by preaching, but mostly by just showing God's love to everyone we meet
2: and trying each
10: day to introduce others to to him.
2: Yeah. Your Excellency, thank you. So sorry for your loss and much to learn uh, from you and this wonderful priest in your diocese, uh, Father Beard. And of course, uh, all the information on how it will be laid to rest, where and when, you can find on the diocesan website for the diocese, but also obviously a beautiful story on catholicnewsagency.com this morning, which has all the details. Have a blessed Wednesday. Go out there and make a difference uh, for the Lord, as the bishop said, and uh, we'll talk to you a domani tomorrow on a Thursday. Ciao, ciao.
1: You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.